You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us as we come to you live this Sunday evening on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit, recorded for your podcast pleasures on your favorite podcast platforms on, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, wherever you find podcasts. I don't even know if we're still on Spreaker, to be honest. I don't even know. Do people use Spreaker? Whatever. Uh, either way, that's coming to you on Monday morning. We have the Pride of Detroit Empire roaring in your face as we are coming up on our seven-year anniversary in about, what is it? Six now? days? Or no, it's September, no, it's, it's September 10th. So 13, I think we've got 13 two, days. Just under two weeks, yes. And... It's the se- the preseason's over, baby. It's over. We are here. I come here not to praise the preseason, but to bury it. <laughs> because good Lord, I'm done with it. And uh, we're, we're getting closer to the season itself. I've seen too much of David Blau and Tim Boyle. I've seen too much of this college, quote unquote, week zero. I am ready for the real football. And because I am Christopher Fett, the adequate host of the Pride of Detroit POD cast, the producer extraordinaire, everything to make the POD cast run. And with me, as always, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, editor-in-chief of prideofdetroit.com. Jeremy, my buddy, yes. are you are you as happy as I am that this preseason's over? Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was enjoying the preseason until this game. This game was not a very pretty game. There, there were good things that, that, that were to come out of it, but... Um, well, we got to talk about it, so I would hope so. Yeah, it, I, I think it's not only an, a, a, a very ugly game, but it's one where we now are forced to probably lead this podcast and all stories out of this game with backup quarterback talk. And that's not something I'm very don't, interested don't, in. Doing. Don't spoil my intro. Don't spoil my <laughs> intro because we've got to introduce the third man, the mystery man of this NWA of this NWO tag team we've got here, Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore POD, senior editor, uh, Ryan. Preseason's over. Hallelujah. I didn't think it would end. And uh, for those of you listening and not watching, I pulled out the Boldy James yellow sweatshirt just because it was pretty much the only color that you saw all game long. 21 <laughs> penalties. Okay. Good. I Lord. thought that was a Steelers thing at first, but okay. Yeah, Good Lord. Terrible towels all over the field. Yeah. Um, this one felt like I, I, I think I watched my son grow up over the course of this game so i was listening so nfl plus was advertising this entire game this entire game that it was on like you could watch it on on mobile devices that was a lie because it was on cbs 
So it was just the radio. So what I did was I took that and I key, and I queued it up the Dan Miller radio call up to the Paramount Plus stream so I could listen to I did the old man baseball thing, right? But I at the end of the game, Dan Miller after the last David Blau touchdown was like, "Hey, do you think they could go with for an onside kick here?" Huh? Huh? And both Lomas Brown and TJ Lang were like, "No, no, please, please no. Please no." Even those guys were done. And unfortunately, Dan was right. They did go for the onside kick. Dan, Dan Campbell never gives up on a football game. I think we learned this last year. <laughs> no, no. Even though he was down two scores with 30 yeah. seconds there, there was. Well, um, it was an opportunity to see if David Blau can throw a Hail Mary. It's preseason. We, it's it's we, practice. We, we got We got to right. at least see if the onside kicks work, too. Yeah, true. So is that, is that where we want to start? Do we want to start backup quarterback and be all depressed for five, ten minutes? I would prefer not to, but I think <laughs> there's no way to avoid it. Yeah, I think every sp- Detroit sports talk outlet on Monday is going to be proposing trades, waiver wire pickups, and all the like to find a new backup quarterback. So I guess and I go on, Jeremy. I, I was just saying it, it, it might happen. I'm not. I'm not discounting it. Um, Dan Campbell was asked earlier this week if if that's in the plans, and and he said, "Listen, we we do that for every position. If we we we're not going to waste our second priority on the waiver wire right now. So if someone is there that that we think can can improve this team, then we're going to take them. And listen, it's not. And I like you don't really want that with your backup quarterback because it takes a long time to to learn your offense. It takes a long time to to you know, develop chemistry with your receivers and all that sort of stuff. So I, I think we were all just looking for an answer in this game and we didn't really get it. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Throughout the entire process, the Lions have also thrown their their support wildly behind these two and saying they're, they're getting better. And I like what I saw. And, and, and you know, D- Dan Campbell dropped some very I don't know, evasive slash mysterious comments after this game saying, there's clarity at the backup quarterback position, but he's not saying whether that clarity was clarity in we have to get someone else in here or clarity in one guy or the other. I mean, I, th- I think you'd have to say if it was one guy or the other, you have to give it to Blau, but they both got signed with the first team offense and they both just, they showed, they showed why they are incapable of being a backup quarterback, right? Boyle was erratic again, uncomfortable in the pocket again, made an absolutely horrible interception. Blau just doesn't give you much, right? He's, he doesn't have arm strength. So on a third and 18, he has to throw his entire body behind a throw and it's still going to be two or three seconds late. And listen, it was, a, it was a nice gritty finish for him. And I think that will carry some weight with his coaching staff, right? Like he, he got three roughing the passer penalties against him on that touchdown drive, still finished it. Um, I was worried he was hurt. I was worried he might right? have to leave. Right. Um, and, and a couple, I mean, a couple really savvy plays with the little kind of flicks, the, the underhand sidearm stuff that listen, like it, it's not pretty, but it got the job done and it got him down the field. So I think, I think if the, the scales have been tipped it at all, it's, it's Blau that's probably going to walk away with this job. But the question is, do lines go hunting? And I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Blau like cow. Uh, I, I don't, I don't have any clarity. So, you know, whatever Dan Campbell saw and whatever clarity Dan Campbell has, um, it, it'll be interesting to see the, the, the route they go. Um, I, I just, I, I'm at a loss because I wasn't really expecting anyone to, to win the job today per se, but I wasn't expecting both these guys to look like they both lost the job, right? which it, it kind of did. I mean, 
the the Boyle interception was so bad. Like that dagger concept where, you know, the inside slot receivers running that, you know, that, that, that long route. And then you have the outside guy cutting in like Boyle was just anticipating Amon Ra to take his guy further and threw it right to his Steelers defensive back. Like it, it, it was a really, really bad interception. And I, and not to mention just the interception, do you have four five passes that were batted down at the line of scrimmage? Like Tim Boyle just, I mean, did not look like he won the job at all. I, I, I know some people are still high on his quote unquote ceiling or whatever developmental process they think that he can go through and, and end up as a, a, a useful quarterback in the league. But I, it's really hard to see it now that, you know, we've been through a full year, you know, some games of Tim Boyle and then also this preseason, it, it hasn't, he's certainly not pushing Jared Goff for the starting job, right, Jeremy? <laughs> no, I no, think I, I'm not even sure how much Blau and talk, talk about pushing. I don't think they're pushing either. Blau and Boyle aren't pushing each other. This is not a sumo match at all. This is more like a slap fight a little bit. Uh, I don't know where the Lions can really go, to be honest, because I know we talked about maybe they'll pick someone up on the waiver wire, but at this point, the waiver wire is for anyone with less than four seasons accrued right. in the NFL. So the waiver wire position doesn't even matter for the lions unless someone releases a young developmental quarterback and the lions oh. want to try to go back. To, I mean, it is possible, but at this point I feel like they're trying to find a guy who's going to be serviceable as a backup and right. not just another developmental guy, unless they carry Blau and, a, and the waiver wire third, which they might. Right. Well, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. This, this is the whole aggressive, like if the lions are adding a quarterback, they're either one going to trade for one, like they did for, with, David Blau a couple years back, or they're going to get someone who w- wasn't even good enough to be a second or, th- or third string guy on another team. And, 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 and you- who, and whose development another team has decided to punt on. Right. Like again, that's you, you, they've had you for three years and decided this guy's never going to pan out or you're going to sign someone who is released. But at that point, who knows what that contract is going to be. And you're competing with everyone else for their services. Right. I mean, ha- Having a developmental guy at this point in the process, like I, I that that's flown the coop at this point. No, that's you know that's what I mean. The like they, that's for the they draft. had they had a chance to draft a guy. They didn't draft a guy. I know you're I, still I, bitter I, about that. Yes, I knew this would come <laughs> up. You, everyone can check that out on the on the on the uh, scorecards right now. I didn't say shit. You did, but like <laughs> just in, ter- in terms of being pragmatic about the right. situation, like the Lions at this point, you're putting a bandaid on a situation that you just are. I, I mean, this was the case regardless. Like we're spending an awful lot of time talking about the backup quarterback when it's not that it, important. <laughs> if Jer- if Jared Goff goes down, I mean, the Lions are, are losing a lot, right? Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So I, I I don't think at this point like we should be like worrying that much about backup quarterback because they aren't going to get a developmental guy. They don't have a developmental guy. They just need a guy who will keep the ship afloat. I want to ask you about that because it it has it's one of two things in my mind of why we're talking so much about backup quarterbacks. Cause like it, I mean, we could have gone elsewhere. It's just we try to anticipate what the storyline is going to be on Monday. And it's unavoidable. It's going to be about the backup quarterbacks. And I wonder if that's either because, A, Jared Goff this preseason has played all of, like, one series. One series in the preseason, which, again, that's everyone now. Nobody is playing their starting quarterbacks across the league, and that's just a a byproduct of the preseason, of where it's gone now. Or, or, and this might be an insidious one, and I, I totally admit I'm going out 
on a bit of a take here, Ryan, but does it maybe belie that this town, that, that this fan base still doesn't have a whole hell of a lot of trust in Jared Goff for the long-term future, even though he kind of turned around a little bit in the final games last year? Like, do you think people are still, they're still hesitant about Jared Goff and maybe that's why they're putting so much emph- emphasis on the backup quarterback? I, th- I mean, there might be something to that. I, and it's definitely true. Like there are people that that don't believe in Jared Goff and that's understandable, but I don't think having a good backup, like I don't think having a good backup is a solution, right? <laughs> like it, it's that whole thing. If you don't have one, if you have two starting quarterbacks or two, you know, if you have a quarterback battle, you no, if you have two have quarterbacks, quarterbacks. If you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks, which by right. the way, hello, Michigan. Right. Whatever. Uh, but here, I mean, here's the th- here's where it all com- what it all comes down to. The Lions have to draft a quarterback next year. Period. At some point in the draft, whether it's they're drafting Jared Goff's replacement or they're drafting a developmental guy that can eventually be a backup quarterback, At, when this team gets good enough that they're actually going to contend and they can't let a quarterback injury completely derail this their season, they're going to need a guy there. They're going to need someone there. Right now, they don't, which is why I I'm not sweating any of this. I don't like if David Blau is QB two for the season whatever fine this team isn't good enough to make the playoffs anyway so if they lose their starting quarterback well i guess it just means we get a, a better draft pick who gives who gives crap like i'm, I'm people are going to lose their freaking mind if david blau or tim boyle is on this 53 man roster i'm not i just don't care that much but to me it points to either it, it does point to one of two things either the lines failed by by not addressing this earlier so that they could be ahead of the curve next year or they just do it next year um but either way they, they don't have a backup quarterback of the future. I think that much is clear. The, the last thing I have to say to that, and I agree with almost everything, Jeremy, is like the Lions have now put themselves in this position where, like you said, they have to draft a guy yeah. next year. Like they they, they have to. And I, I'm just saying that last year, regardless of the quarterback they wanted to take, they, they could have taken one in the draft, this past draft, and they could have been already – you know, onboarding that guy. You know what I mean? So right. you you could definitely view that as a, as a, as a mistake. Um, but if, if the Lions late round picks turn out to be okay, I don't know. Are you going to be that upset about Nate not taking quarterback? I know. I, I know the elephant in the room here that we're not, we haven't even said his name, but he, he looms over this podcast like a specter. But the, the point is all moot. If Jared Goff plays well, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's all it's all moot. Like well, we, I, we've all just wasted. Me. We've all just wasted breath. If Jared Goff is the guy in Detroit. Which well, even- I, I've been saying that to, to your point earlier, Chris, like I don't think that anything about them giving extra run to Blau and Boyle is a is an indictment on Goff. I think that Goff is probably in Brad Holmes' eyes, in Dan Campbell's eyes, I think Goff is their guy until yeah. he isn't their guy. Yep. And that's just a scary that's a scary plan when it comes to quarterback because what's your escape route? What's your what's your next endeavor? Like that's the that's the part that I have trepidation about. The, the, the part I have trepidation about, and it's something I've come to terms with talking about NFL quarterbacks, is I become a big believer in how high is your floor. If you have like, no matter how good you are, if you have a really low floor, I I have trouble trusting you. That's why I can't get behind when people start talking up Jameis Winston in like North Car- in in New Orleans. Excuse me, I'm say North Carolina in in New Orleans because I've seen Jameis Winston's floor, but likewise, I've seen Jared Goff's floor in 2020 with the Rams where he was incredibly bad. And we've seen, and we saw some of that in 2021 early in the season. And I don't like what Jared Goff's floor is. And I think that's what causes the trepidation for me, sure. but I would agree. Like 
A, I think they could have probably, seeing how the quarterbacks fell out last year, they could have probably taken one, but that's in the past. I would say looking towards the future, I would say if they're going to take a quarterback, regardless of how Jared Goff does this year, it should be no later than day two, maybe like first round of day three. But regardless of how he does, you need to either get a developmental guy because Jared Goff, he he will be younger than Jared Goff regardless. He might be, he might, he could turn into a serviceable backup. Either way, you need to be spending no later than day two, first round of day three in the 2023 draft on a quarterback, regardless of how Jerry Goff plays. Do we have time to talk running back before we get out of here? Yeah. Let's talk a little bit of running backs. We'll get, I know some of our listeners are like next, next topic, next topic. So let's talk some running backs and then we'll talk the rest of the roster in segment two, and then we'll look towards cuts in segment three. So what do you, what you got on running backs for us, Ryan? Justin Jackson. Yes. I love this man. I'm a big proponent of Justin Jackson and I, I did get some pushback because I think that there is a consensus that Craig Reynolds is just RB3. I'm not so sure. I'm not I'm not looking at that depth chart. The only two things that are set in stone are DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, and that's why they didn't play today. All the other running backs got play. And I think before I get to Justin Jackson, I want to say what's most clear is Jamar Jefferson I don't think has a future with the Detroit Lions. Um, it, it, if he does, it's part of a practice squad, but I mean, like Jefferson has just, he's, he's not impressed. He got all the opportunity to do so today against the Steelers playing with the first team offensive line. Granted, I don't think that the, the offensive lines first That's and a, second string. We'll talk about that in a minute. In yeah. The second segment didn't play so great, but I, I think Jamar Jefferson really played himself out of a job, um, at this point, but then it just becomes tricky. There, there's three guys and there's two chairs. Yeah. And and I, I don't know how you square that circle, Jeremy. And, and how much of that, and I know Jeremy's been a big proponent of this, like how much how much of Godwin Igwebuki being able to do special teams is enough to keep him above that kind of competition, too. It to me, it it's I I know we're all looking at the game that Justin Jefferson and Craig Reynolds both I thought played excellent at, Jackson, at running Justin backs Jackson. in this game. Sorry, Justin Jackson and Craig Reynolds. Um, but listen, these guys aren't if, if if the top two guys stay healthy and I know that's a huge if but most days these guys aren't going to touch the ball on offense they just aren't like there's so many weapons on this team as it is let alone two guys that they really trust if you're going to make this roster you got to contribute on special teams and listen they gave Justin Jackson opportunities there today he, he was okay on kick return not great not bad um I don't I don't did he take a punt I'm not sure if he took a punt or not um but no he didn't um but Godwin does it all well, can, can I let, let me say one thing about Justin Jackson? Last season, 124 special team snaps, 30 on kick return, 47 on kick coverage, 23 on punt return, 24 on punt on punt coverage. So, like, the guy can play special teams. I he can he can, and he he's done basically everything that he possibly could have, being a late addition to fill in for Greg Bell. And listen, he. The, the coaching staff also said, like, if you can do it in the regular season, that counts more than than in the regular season. And we've talked about it a couple times. Justin Jackson's done it in the regular season. So he might be the third best running back. But I, I like I don't think that necessarily gets you a roster spot with this team unless you, you, you continue to prove it on special teams. And I, I can't say to how good Justin Jackson looks like as as a special teamer. But I know Godwin has done it a lot. I know they liked Craig Reynolds a lot. So it's it's just tough being the new guy, but but like I said, he's 
He's done everything I think he needed to to at least make this a conversation in the short time he's been here. Well, I think I think to to Ryan's point, I I do agree with Ryan that I think we've kind of assumed Craig Reynolds is RB three right now. I could see a future where it is Jackson and Igwebuke to be three and four on that roster. Like it, it's it's up in the air for any of them, and I think Jackson because he has done it on the field with the Chargers because he has that potential and he's played that potential before. I'm not worried about him taking, not getting too many special team snaps. He's probably has to sit down and learn some more of the special teams work for the, uh, for the lions. But I, I think he's, I think he's on the roster. I, I could be wrong. I, I, I have been wrong a lot in my life. I mean, the, the, the other thing the lines have to consider, right. Is like playing the game of waivers, right. Who, who makes it through waivers, who doesn't make it through waivers or, or, you know, uh, actually Justin Jackson, has he been in the year? Has he been in the league four this years is now? Year, yeah. yeah. So pretty sure. So I'm pretty, I, mean, if, I think this is this is he's 26. So I think this is year four for him. If it, well, it's it 20, year 20, four, year he was, five. He was that's, drafted that's in 2018. He was drafted in 2018. 19, so that'd 20, be 21. Okay, so this is year five for him, which is important. Year five. So yeah, so he'd be released. Cor- he wouldn't be waived. Correct. And so the line. And I know could, we use those interchangeably, but they're very different. Yes. In this here. So the, the main thing here is if, if you're released, it means you don't go through waivers. So the Lions could theoretically approach Justin Jackson and be like, hey, we're cutting you, but we're get, we want to sign you immediately back to the practice squad. And that, that I mean, he could say yes on the spot, right? Because you, once you're released, you're free to sign anywhere. They did that with Darren Fells last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it's something that they could consider. It, that way there's, there's lesser risk, but they'd have to be confident that Justin Jackson would say yes, right? Because he played well enough where... He could make a 53 somewhere else. Right? I think he could make a 53 anywhere, to be honest. So like, and I think, I think there's, it's more likely to see like Iguabuke or Reynolds clear through waivers. And it's certainly possible, right? Like, I don't know how many people know about Godwin Iguabuke and listen, you know, he's a converted safety. I don't know. Actually, Reynolds, people... this, I think this is year four for Reynolds. So he would be released as well. No, no. If it's year four, it's waivers. You have to have four. Oh, I thought it was less season. than four. My apologies. No, no. Um. So, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation. The, the lines might do a little bit of maneuvering because I think, I think it's a talented group, right? I think we can all agree. This is a talented group that you can feel pretty good about if one of your starters goes. In fact, a lot of these guys played pretty well replacing, you know, Swift when they needed to last year. And I know there are concerns about Igwe Buke's fumbles. I think I have a little bit of concerns about Justin Jackson's fumbles as well, but overall, I, I, I think they have a good group and they're going to, somehow figure out a way to figure to, to, to get at least five of these guys back in, in one way or another, whether it means on the 53 or, or in the practice squad. Let's take a quick break here. We'll get to the rest of the roster here coming up next. Some more thoughts from this game as we finally put the preseason to bed. I don't know how it was shorter this year, Jeremy, and yet it still felt longer. <laughs> Just uh, preseason, man. It's a beast. We'll be right back in the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back at it again, Pride of Detroit, P.O.D. cast. All right, we talked a lot of back and quarterback in the first segment. We talked some uh, running backs. Now we should probably move on to the rest of the rosters. We won't get to every part here because it would be way too long, but let's try to get to some of the highlight spots. First off, to round out the the offense, uh, this was not a great – we had all the starters play for the offensive line. It wasn't a great outing for a lot of them. I will say that, I mean, in, in fairness – the Steelers played some some of their starters too, and they I think people forget how good pieces they have around their defense. Like I'm not surprised Sewell probably lost a few of those matchups against TJ Watt, but overall I would say not a lot of between those and the penalties. I know Jackson got called, Jonah Jackson got called for a few uh, holding for at least one holding in there. Not not a great day for the offensive line, Jeremy. No, and it was their first big test, and and yeah, it's always important to point out that that this is a really good Steelers defensive front. They're they've always been a very attacking defense, and they were really like they sent a lot of blitzes in this game. Yeah, Minka Fitzpatrick was all over, all into the all sure. over everyone. And Cameron Haywood had at least, I think he had two pass breakups. Um, you know, it, it's just a really good defensive front. But I mean, if we're gonna crown this offensive line as a top five unit these are the kind of matchups that you have to win, right? Like to prove that you're a top five unit in this league, you have to dominate everyone, even the best in the league. And so you're never going to have a perfect game, right? And maybe if this game had been gone four quarters with the starters, things even out a bit, maybe it took them a while to kind of get their standings. They've been, you know, they've been dominating pretty much all off season. Maybe it took, you know, they take a counter punch here and they they're, they're reeling a little bit, but um, I, I wouldn't say I'm, why like overly concerned about their performance in this game but it's a reminder that like they still need to go out there and prove it right and that's something that they've been saying all offseason it's like yeah i know you guys are all saying there's a really good unit we think we're going to be a really good unit but we still have to go out there and put it on the field and so they got punched in the mouth today and it's it's a good reminder that you, you got to go out there and, and actually execute and so not a good day from taylor decker i know panay got beat one time by by tj watt um i, I was disappointed by kind of the interior of the skate of, of the offensive line in this game, but um, it did get better as the game went on. And I don't know if that's maybe more a testament to the Steelers defensive line, not having as much depth, but um, yeah, a, a step in the wrong direction, but not, not time to hit the panic button. Yeah. I, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button, but I think two things were at play here, right? Like the only drive that we had to go off of in terms of the first team offensive line was against Atlanta two weeks ago. Right. And they looked and they looked great. Right. Sure. Like no, no real concerns there. So then we get to today. And I think the second thing at play <clears throat> is that the second team offensive line looked awesome last week against Indianapolis. Yeah. And it was just like a, it was, it was a drop in play, but I mean, 
let's not kid ourselves. The Pittsburgh Steelers have dudes on the defensive line, like TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward. I mean, they, they have guys who, uh, Ogan Joby, like they have guys who are, who are dudes. So again, it was a test. It, it wasn't anything that was, you know, uh, I, I think encouraging, but man, like it, it comes back to the quarterback play. And, and I guess that's where we can, maybe spin it off unless Chris has any thoughts on the offensive line. That's where we can spin off and maybe talk about some of the skill position players. No, I think that that's, that's really about it. That's all I've got. I kind of wanted to move over to the defense, which you're right. We should probably give a little bit of time to the skill positions, especially to wide receivers right now, because uh, last end of this game was probably, look, I don't know who's going to make these guys. I I don't think Khalil Pimpleton was going to make the roster to begin with. I didn't even think Tom Kennedy was going to make the roster to begin with, even though everyone keeps hyping them up. And But either way, Tom Kennedy, all the good he did in week two in the preseason, I felt went out the door in this one. Like he, he had some great red zone catches in the last preseason game. He dropped a keeper. Like he did not hold on to a keeper there. And it kind of brings back, the criticisms I know Jeremy's always had of, of Tom Kennedy, just not great in the red zone. He's not, he's not that big bodied receiver. It's just not who he is. That's not how he wins. So, um, you know, you, you wonder if, if someone so limited in their skill set can, can succeed at the NFL level, but yeah, I mean, he, it, it's tough. I, I don't, I don't really know how to evaluate the lines reserve receivers here when the quarterback plays so bad, <laughs> yeah. because I mean, yeah, Here's the thing, like the, the three guys that, that we're, we've been talking about all offseason fighting for one or two spots is Quintus Cephas, Trinity Benson, and Tom Kennedy. Tom Kennedy, three catches, 15 yards. Quintus Cephas, one catch, five yards. Trinity Benson, one catch, eight yards. Like, what What am I supposed to do with that? I don't know. I I, I was really hoping we could see some more of Quintus Cephas in this game. Um, maybe even with with some of the ones sprinkled in, we, we didn't. Um, and, and I mean, instead, we saw him in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Which I mean, we saw all. I think we saw all three of those guys in the fourth quarter, late in the game. So yeah, Cephas was still Clint, playing into the bell, I believe. Yeah, Cephas was. They all were. And so I don't. Again, I feel like I'm just kind of left where where we were before, which is, I mean, Tom, at least Tom Kennedy's making plays out there in general. Like he still caught three passes to to everyone else's ones. So I I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. Just like the the running back, I just I don't know beyond those top four, which are plain to see now right everyone knows the top four wide receivers that are making this team first of all do you keep one or two more and then out of that bunch who who are you keeping and i again i think it might go back down to special teams and none of those guys have necessarily stood on special teams maurice alexander was a guy who entered the the conversation last week because of the special teams and then didn't do much of anything in this game yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that the Lions don't have the luxury to afford a guy who's just a kick returner specialist um, at this point. But, I mean, the the good thing that I want to highlight is that the Lions have a top four. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, they have DJ Chark. They have Amon Ross St. Brown. They have Josh Reynolds. Um, you know, eventually they'll get Jamison Will- Williams. Um, but, I, I mean, the, the, the Lions have a top four. Uh, last year... Blinds didn't have a top two. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. like, yeah. like it, it's a far cry from a season before. But like you said, Jeremy, it, it, it was just almost impossible to get a read on where that battle between those three guys could have gone because they just didn't get any good quarterback play. So, yeah. and, and maybe that leads to tight end talk real quick. It, it, I mean, 
I got nothing to say about the tight ends. Yeah, I, I, I think it comes back to what Jeremy was talking about. It's the quintessential problem is like because the quarterback play was so bad, I didn't learn anything about any skill positions. At well, all. I, I, I think with the tight ends, like it's just something that probably on a second watch through. And I think for the most part, like this is probably what the coaching staff is going to do. It's like, what did you bring to the run game? Yeah. Um. What What did you bring uh, as a blocker? So that that's that's a second watch through kind of thing. Because yeah, like you guys said, I mean, nothing could be gleaned by the quarterback play today. So. So with nothing gleaned from the quarterback play, can I move? I'd like to move along to defense. I'd love to I think talk about the defense because I, I feel like to that's, talk about. Yeah, I, I was going to say because I feel like that's a the more positive story because they played better. They yeah. the first team defense played better, but also B, I feel like we're getting some clarity on who's all going to be on that roster because I mean, we talked a lot about Austin Bryant. I'll, let's actually, you know what? I'm going to put Austin Bryant to the side for a second. He was phenomenal. He, he blocked a field goal. We'll talk about it in a second. Uh, the news I feel like, and this kind of goes with my uh, appreciation for the first team defense balling out against Mitch Trubisky. I'm playing better about against Mitch Trubisky. Who's usually been the he's Mitch Trubisky, but he's a lion slayer. And I did see that Kyle Mikey was saying Dan Campbell has said that Jeff Okuda has won the starting CB slot across from Monty Orwari. Yeah. And Okuda played well today. I thought, yeah, he got, he got a pass breakup on a, on a perfectly played, uh, you know, basically stopped a, a touchdown pass. And listen, like beyond Okuda, like Okuda's great and great might be, might be an over overstatement, but he's good. Like he, he looks the part now. And, and I think it was clear, um, really weeks ago that, that, that it was trending in this direction. And Will Harris repping in the fourth quarter is, is certainly an interesting development as well. Um, I, I don't think he's, I mean, he, they, they literally said this week that both Jeff Okuda and, and Will Harris will have a role on this defense. So I don't think he's going anywhere, but I think it stands to, I think it's, it's, it was the line showing that they, not only that Jeff Okuda was going to be their starter, but that um, they're interested in kind of developing their depth there. But I thought like the defensive line, really good in this game, right? I think you get, you get Hutchinson with his first half sack, uh, Charles Harris, um, another monster game for him where I, 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 I don't want to keep banging the drum in case it doesn't happen, but like, I feel, I really feel like Charles Harris might have a better year than he did last year. Um, because I see it every day in camp. Like I, he, he seems like a monster. And then Austin Bryant, like I don't, this, this, okay. So the Steelers offense three and out negative seven yards. Then they have that 10-yard 78 drive bolstered mostly by a, a really nice throw from Trubisky that went for like 40 yards uh, to Tianchi Johnson with uh, Oruari and, and good coverage, but not good enough. Three and out field goal, three and out field goal. So the first team defense, three out of four, three and outs, and that's it. Like Then it was the second team that came in, and I, I think we found out that the, the reserves, especially in the secondary, not as good. There's, I don't think anyone necessarily won a spot there. And I think maybe that, I, I don't want to say that that means Jerry Jacobs might come off pup because I think they still need to carry some, some injured guys on the roster, but I don't, I don't know if there's a reserve corner on this team that, that, that gave you any, any warm feelings inside after this one. Dude, I, I, I just Googled Greg Gumble and I did not realize that that man is 76 years old. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, the reason I want to highlight that is because the Steelers offense at the end of the first half going up against the Lions second and third string defense. Yeah. It it seemed like Pittsburgh was like, Oh, their offense is clicking against Detroit's defense. That looks so good early on. It's like, 
some of these guys won't be here Tuesday evening. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but the number one note that I had for the defense, I haven't celebrated this and I can't remember how long you talked about the sack with Hutchinson and Charles Harris. That was a coverage sack. That was a coverage sack. Yeah. When, when, when was the last time the lions have said coverage sack? You know what I mean? Like that, that was incredible. Like even on the replay and Charles Davis broke it down, but like, there wasn't anywhere to go with the ball. And you know what? The defensive line got got to the quarterback. Like, that was an awesome thing to see from the first team defense. And and like you said, too, Jeremy, like forcing a three and out on a, you know, a- after the Lions failed to convert the fourth and one to hold them to a field goal. Awesome. Great work, man. Like the, the first team defense, the thing that I was not expecting to to impress me today, really impressed me in a big way. Yeah, I feel like Aiden Hutchinson, as a rookie, he's going to just be kind of streaky a little bit. But this was like this 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 showed what can happen when that entire line is working in tandem. I don't think it's going to be a world beater at the end of the day, but I don't I don't I don't know. We were very doom and gloom around the time of the Falcons game, and this one this one felt this one felt a little bit better. Not 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 like you know roses and rainbows, but it felt it felt better. It like the tummy the tummy calmed down. We I, I, we need to give Derek Barnes a gold star too. Absolutely today. to Derek Barnes, he's played better. Nice, nice TFL. You know, Jeremy, you're 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 on the Calvin Shepard train, so you know that Derek Barnes is a coming, right? Like, yeah, choo choo. But the the other interesting thing I I saw today was, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Anzalone and Chris Board who were starting. Yeah, they they were rotating a lot. They were rotating. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it might have been Anzalone and, and Barnes who had literally the first snap, but it was like every every snap, like board came out on third downs. I, I definitely noticed that because I think they might trust him a little bit more in coverage. Um, but yeah, and, and maybe that's what we see in the regular season, right? Like it's it's very clear who their top four linebackers are, and all four of them are gonna make the team in Anzalone, Barnes, Rodriguez, who's who's been kind of quiet as of late, but I feel like they're they're really scaling back his snaps, which it's telling, right? Special teams play though. Always right. count on Rodrigo. Yeah. Good point. And then, uh, and then board is, is the, is the fourth and all those guys are, are essentially locks, I would imagine. And, and they're going to play a role. And so linebacker play is, is, I mean, night and day from, from where I think expectations were a month ago to where they're playing right now. And I don't know if that carries over to the regular season, but 2.9 yards per carry for the Steelers after last week, I think the, were they below two yards last year, the Colts or last week? Yeah, I think I think it was like 1.8 or something like it was that. 1.7. So, yeah. I mean, that's trending in in the right direction in a very very positive way and if that can stick like well then suddenly you're getting a, opponents into various obvious passing downs and then you just unleash Hutchinson and Charles Harris and maybe Austin Bryant and then suddenly like you can get off the field in a, in a hurry. And I, listen, I I don't want to push the defense too much because I do think there there are a lot of deficiencies on the roster, but I have to say, I feel a lot better about this defense going into the regular season than I thought I would. And and, and it's interesting you say that because no Levi Onzerike, no Josh Pascal. You know what I mean? Like right? they're 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 missing no Julian Okwara. They're missing big big time players that they were anticipating contributing. My favorite stat from this game is Najee Harris four carries, ten yards with a a long of eleven. <laughs> yeah, Moving on. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about the defensive the defensive backs just because uh, it is going to get interesting. As I said, Jeff Okuda is locked in, and uh, I I mean, you know what? Uh, let me let me put a pin on the rest of it. Like, can we appreciate how like Okuda's like I don't know how many doubters he still had 
coming into this game to begin with. But I there were a few weeks ago still questions about whether he who would be CB2, him or Will Harris. And I feel like Okuda has stood out very well. I thought this is a this is a much improved game for Jeff Okuda and shows showing flashes of I think what we've kind of always wanted to see from Okuda all along the way here. Yeah, I mean but the, the, there will continue to be doubters until he does it in a regular season game. And he no, does it over, over a course of time. But I mean, he did exactly what you would hope a third overall pick would do, which is work like hell to get back from an Achilles injury and show very clearly that he is a starting caliber player on this defense. Now, of course, bar relatively low in Detroit right now with all the cornerbacks that they have. If, if, I, if there would be a major concern if he wasn't the starting cornerback by week one, I would think, given that his competition is a converted safety and nobody else like no one else is really there to to push those two i i will i will say this um there's not much competition to push him but i don't know who's going to be the nickel corner at this point that there is so much like between chase lucas who by the way had some some remarkable play late in the game and you know hughes and parker i i i want to give the edge to lucas but I feel like I'm maybe I'm having some recency bias a little bit there, but I don't know who's going to be the nickel. I, and this, this will maybe transfer into, into what we talk about next segment in terms of the toughest decisions that, that are facing this team. They, they rotated all three of those guys at the nickel position in the first half. And it seemed like AJ Parker had a pretty strong grasp on the job for the first three weeks of camp. And then Hughes started taking first team reps and he's basically taken first team reps for the last week or week and a half. And Lucas is as just he's always he's always there, right? Like he's always always noticeable out there. He he had a nice tack, tackle for loss on a third and ten, where he caused a two yard loss on the play before that. He had pretty good coverage on a, a ball that ended up being overthrown. He recovers an onside kick. He just he's hanging around, man. And listen, Chase Lucas is a guy that you you have to imagine is probably going to go through waivers. So if the Lions want to, they can probably release him and keep him. But. How much do you need? Like, if if there's not a clear winner between AJ Parker and Mike Hughes, is there a point in keeping both when you think Chase Lucas might have the better developmental track? I think that there's just so many questions because what is the depth at outside corner? Do you know what I mean? Like, I I I I try to I try to just kind of piece it together, and yes, there is Will Harris. He fits in somewhere. Jerry Jacobs does fit in somewhere once he gets healthy, but that's once he gets healthy, you know? Right. And and I think at this point with like Melifanwu moving to safety, what what's going on at outside corner? Like, do, is, is somebody like Mike Hughes who's played outside corner before, is he somebody who could stick around on the roster because he right. can kind of play in different spots? I, I have no clue. And again, like watching the broadcast, you, you're not getting a ton of really good looks at, at defensive back play, but... I don't know. It lot a lot of question marks uh in the secondary for for who's staying and who's going. I, I have to imagine Bobby Price is in that conversation because he's so important to special teams. Right. And listen, he's not he's not showing up in the negative way like Savion Smith did in this game or um Savion Smith's Gil- name. Gilbert had one good play in worst ways. Gilbert like was is is kind of one of those corners. It's just like he you're always going to notice him in the game. Sometimes it's going to be for really good things. Sometimes it's going to be for bad things. And I think got a little bit of both in this game. So, man, I don't know. Like, I, reserve corner is definitely a big issue right now, and part of it is just health. Um, but part of it is like if if you don't know who your 
like we went into this game not entirely sure who their starting outside corner was and their starting nickel was. That's not good. Well, I mean, at least they figured out who the starters are on the outside, right? They did. So, but we kind of knew that, right? So, whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, anything to say? Have we covered safeties yet? I think we're we're almost through the whole roster, actually. Yeah. No. I. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I really have much to say about the safeties. Um, again, that's another one that's kind of hard to diagnose on, on the first watch, but uh, another another game in which Kirby Joseph got a ton of snaps, and I think he led the team in tackles in this one seven, um, which is something that he actually said this week, like, and the coaches said this too, like, he's a guy that came in with a reputation of not being a tackler, being more of a ball hawk, and he worked on that a ton, and you know, he said, if someone says that's a weakness of mine, I'm going to make it a strength. And he's answered every bell there, right? Like he's been a fantastic tackler uh, through the first three preseason games. And so I think that's that's a positive uh, sign of his development. Um, obviously, the other stuff is going to have to come once he kind of learns the defense and, and the game slows down for him. But it shows that he's, he's very teachable and moldable. And that has to be a positive development, I would think. Yeah, safety depth is kind of just right up there with cornerback depth because of like you said injuries and also like is it juju hughes like is is that who the lions are going to end up keeping it feels like they almost have to if because cj moore doesn't look like he's going to be ready and so i don't know it may if you have a ton of faith in in kirby joseph and and think he's already developed beyond your expectations he's your your primary backup Okay, or safe a uh, rookie, rookie, how, how safe, rookie if safety. He, <laughs> if he doesn't seem like he's going to be ready week one either, so it's like yeah. who is going to be your primary backup week one? And I think it has. Listen, I think Juju Hughes has played fine, and I, I think that's why I think he he probably makes the roster just because they need someone. Let's take a quick break. We and we will start talking about the toughest decisions facing the Detroit Lions for their roster cuts. So what we talked about will will factor in again, and we will definitely, definitely get back to uh, some of these, especially. Oh, this is uh, this is this is the hard part. Roster cuts are coming Tuesday evening. We'll talk about. We'll have the reactions to it later on the POD Cast feed later this week. But we'll start looking towards what that could be looking like next on the Pride of Detroit POD Cast. Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We'll put the reviews to the side this week. I just want to talk about the cuts the Lions have to make because there are some very difficult ones, Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, we've talked, we've we've hinted at some of them that there's no clarity to wide receivers right now. We have really no clarity to some of the cornerback situations out there. We certainly don't have clarity to 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 back a quarterback right now. Right. I guess if I'm going to nail your feet to the floor, give me the hardest position, the Lions' toughest position to evaluate and make cuts at is blank. 
I, I mean, I don't think we need to talk about it that much, but more, but I think it's running back. Um, and it's not really somewhere where I thought it would be because I felt pretty comfortable in saying Swift, Williams, Reynolds, Iquibuque, and Justin Jackson has has made it a lot tougher. I think I think Jamar Jefferson has been on the out and and it's definitely still on the out, but Justin Jackson is is just now he's now part of the conversation because he's he he can do special teams. He's clearly a very solid runner. He's got great vision and and good burst. Um. I, I think Craig Reynolds is still in it. It's just like now God, God, the way that they've used Godwin this entire off season has been really puzzling to me. He's always been the last one out there as a running back, you know, basically running back six when it comes to offense, but he's, he's a four phase special teamer. And I just can't look past that when we're talking about RB five, which is a guy who will almost exclusively play special teams. So I, I just, I don't know. There's, there's three good options there. One or two spots. I'm not sure where they go. Yeah, running back is the running back seems like the biggest question because it seems like the wide receivers are just who we thought they were going to be for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't really see how I don't really see how I'm going to keep Tom Kennedy over Quintus Cephas. I know the injury thing is a is a bugaboo with with, with Cephas and, and stuff like that, but like the flashes have been greater and they've been in NFL action. So are you keeping um, five during the regular season? Are you keeping five or is Trinity in as well? I'm oh. trying to I'm trying to think as myself and I'm not trying to think as Brad Holmes because right. I feel like Brad Holmes has something for Trinity Benson. Um There's especially after there. especially yeah. after yeah making the investment he made. So I I don't think so. I, I think because they have to make concessions at some spot in order to shore up tight end, because I'm not sure how ready James Mitchell is at this point. Right. And and running back, like it's really hard for me to keep Justin Jackson off this roster because I think he can play special teams. I think that he can be a dependable guy should Swift or Jamal Williams miss any time. And I think that we were all just very, I think we were all very early on saying that Craig Reynolds is just RB3. I, I think that, I think some of that was he he played well in, in spot duty last season yeah, and he looked good this season. I think Craig Reynolds and Justin Jackson are different guys. So maybe that's what it comes down to for this coaching staff. Like what guy, what kind of guy do they want? Do they want the guy who makes the one cut and then runs downhill with good vision like Craig Reynolds, or do they want a guy who can be a factor in the passing game and, you know, play a little special teams. And Justin Jackson has shown in the NFL that he's a productive, effective and efficient runner. So they have, they have definitely. Dan Campbell has some tough decisions to make, man. I, I, I've never really considered when I'm making these 53 man rosters to go five wideouts. I'm, I'm typically going with six, and then five running backs, which would would be very against my own brand to keep five running backs. But Swift, Williams, Craig Reynolds, Igwebuke, and Justin Jackson. It's not. It's not out of the question. I don't think. It, Maybe. It, it I seems mean, like I a mean, lot, but some of those some of those running backs, especially Swift, they they. The way running backs are now being hybrid pass catchers too, you can kind of justify it a little. Bit. I I think you brought up a great point though, Jeremy, earlier on when you said, "Hey, the Lions could cut bait with Justin Jackson with a deal in place to bring him back." Like right. that is something I could definitely see happening. So, what do we make of the the? I feel like offensive line. I, I guess the only question I get I have for myself is how many, right? How many that, are they really carrying? Yeah. Do they and keep Stenberg? That's 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 the the debate for me because I feel like you your three reserves that you're keeping are 
pretty set, I want to say. Matt, like Matt Nelson, I know he's kind of dealing with an injury right now, so we'll see. I feel like what, Tommy what Kramer's in, too. Right. Tommy Kramer's a, a good interior guy. He can play center if, if you need him to. Hopefully, you don't need a third-string center like he did last year. Um, and Evan then, Brown. And then Evan Brown. Yeah, Evan Brown's your backup center. He's, he's a very good backup center. So there's a three. Do you keep a ninth? And, and I think the ninth, I don't think there's a, a tackle that's worth keeping around it. I think they've all been pretty bad. No, if I'm I think, being completely I, think honest. A, I think as a is going to be lucky to make the practice squad, but I'm with you there, unfortunately. And that's, it's going to be a sad one on hard knocks, but, um, but yeah, I think Logan Stenberg has played very well in these past two, three weeks, including in this game. Um, well enough where I'm not sure I'd feel comfortable cutting him, but where, where am I getting that extra spot? Am, am I, maybe I cut down from six wide receivers to five and I don't, I don't add a running back. I had, I had Logan Stenberg because, I, I don't know. The, the question is also, do you do you need three reserve interior guys? That seems like a lot. If for for a backup center and two backup guards and only one backup tackle, that seems like a lot to keep in the interior. But I don't know. Do you, is is Logan a guy you, that that would also slip through on waivers? Maybe. I I I don't know if Logan would slip through in waivers. I think that somebody would claim him. I, I think that somebody out there would be hungry enough to take uh, a chance on a guy who was a fourth round pick yeah. and who has played pretty well this preseason yeah. aside from game one, uh, game two and game three were, were huge improvements here. Here's the one fly in the ointment that I want to throw out as like, maybe like a surprise. He sticks around. What about Darren Paolo? Like, I'm just saying, like, he's played all over the place. Guard, tackle. Sure. Um, just as, like, if they're going to – because I, I agree. And The only reason I throw it out, Jeremy, is because what you said. It, it seems rather confusing from a roster-building standpoint to keep three interior guys yeah. who don't have the ability to kick out and play tackle. I, I will say, like, I'm leaning towards only keeping seven to, – to keeping eight and – it being Logan Sedberg over Tommy Kramer. Like I'm, I'm starting to lean that way a little bit because, because I mean, yes, Tommy Kramer can play center, but again, you, you have Evan Brown. You, you're most likely not going to need a third string center. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> um, I want to go to the defense here. I, I almost want to do these by like individual names to yeah. go a little rapid on how how much you think these are, are if these are tough decisions or easy decisions. So let me start with one that I I, I think he's kind of creeping up in there because I was just doing my bubble watch. Um, John Kaminsky. I think he's in. He's in. I think, yeah, I think, I think the lines in? just easy they decision. don't they don't have enough healthy edge depth right now. So I think Austin Bryan and John Kaminsky is kind of your two backups while Austin Bryan, I'm sorry, while Julian Oquara and, and Romeo Oquara get healthy. Those are your two reserve guys that I think you're going to need on game day. And, and Kaminsky's actually, you know, he's a guy that, that definitely won't make it through waivers. And I don't know if he's subject to waivers or not, but remember like ha- like a quarter of the league put in a waiver claim for that dude when the Lions got him. So he's not making it through waivers. And I think he's got value here. Yeah. And he, he plays the big DN spot. Like yep. the other name you didn't mention too, Jeremy is Josh Pascal. Like that's somebody who they're counting on playing that spot. And I think yep. Kaminsky fits that role to a T. So Give us the next guy, Chris. Anthony Pittman. It's it's How Anthony much? Pitt. It's Anthony Pittman or Jared Davis, right? I I don't think you necessarily need to keep either because well, 
it, it's it's more edge depth, right? It's it's more that hybrid role that that you want Julian Aquara to play a guy that can play on the edge and play off ball. I just don't know that Anthony Pittman can play edge. I, I don't think I've seen it out of him enough. He was okay in in the season in the preseason opener, but I haven't seen it since then. And I'm start like I'm starting to really like Josh Woods, and I know he doesn't bring that same versatility. He's more off ball, but he's also a guy that brings, I think, as much special teams. Like, he was a guy who played a ton of special teams last year when they added him in the middle of the season. And I know that's where Pittman gets his, you know, makes his money. But if if you're somewhat equal in terms of special teams, but you bring more depth as a linebacker, I think Josh Woods is neck and neck with with Pittman right now. And so I'm, I'm not sure. I'm still, I'm still holding out hope for Jared Davis. There's part of me like I, I I thought he played I thought he played okay today. He did he did. Um, and you want to talk about a guy who is going to do everything that the coaching staff asks of him. He's going to play special teams. He's he's a professional. That that's where I think maybe Davis has the edge. Here, no pun I mean, intended. You could play the same game with him though, because you know, like he's a veteran. You could cut him and be like, listen, we love you. We love your energy. We love you. You in the locker room. Come back on our practice squad. And I think Jared Davis would say absolutely yes. Yeah, unlike him. unlike unlike some of the other unlike Justin Jackson, I feel like Jared Davis is valued more by the Lions versus I think the rest of the league. I agree. So well, the New York Jets did value him. They did for a little a bit. Yeah, for a year. Injuries, sad face. Um, next name, Chris. Okay. Um, I'm I'm splitting because I don't know where to go on defensive tackles. What name would 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 step up? So if you have another name versus the one I'm about to give you, by all means, correct me on this. But Demetrius Taylor. Yeah, no, I think that's the right that's the right answer, right? Because I I didn't I guess I didn't notice him in this game like I did like we did against the Colts. I don't think he was nearly as explosive or, or disruptive. Um, I think he was getting I, double teamed a lot, probably. Um, but yeah, I, I think the interior defensive line is interesting, right? Because not only because Isaiah Bugs is suddenly like. Thrust yeah, that was the other, name. The that was the other name I was like trying to balance between. Yeah. So he's kind of thrusted himself into this role as, as a nose because they're they're playing Aleem McNeil more at three at three tech now. And we, we didn't see Aleem in this game. We didn't see Michael Brockers in this game. So we didn't really see that first team setup. Um, but then it, the, all of that is is complicated by the fact that they they're they brought in I'm gonna get his name wrong. Malcolm is Brown. It, Brown? it is Malcolm Brown. Brown. Okay. Brown. Um didn't sign with the team yet. And and that doesn't necessarily mean that he will sign with the team, but he's a nose tackle. And so they're looking for those big bodied guys. That's not exactly what Demetrius Taylor is, but he's a guy that I've had on the outside because I've had Jay Sean Cornell on the inside, but Jay Sean Cornell, like put that guy on the side of a milk carton because I haven't seen him in, in three weeks. Like I, I don't, I don't think he's in out. anymore. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I got, I, I got Taylor in over Cornell right now. I do too. And I think it's, Primarily because, like you said, Jeremy, we haven't heard much about Cornell doing anything outside of early training camp. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Cornell made a splashy play to me once during the preseason. Um, whereas Demetrius Taylor, I mean, against Indy, he was just in the backfield all the time. So uh, I have Taylor in. Get bugs in. Um, I don't think I have bugs in. I think he. I th- I don't I'm want to call back. him a lock. I, I, I think he's Bugs, I feel him. like is the more difficult answer than Taylor. But he I guess the the only there is no one on the roster right now that can beat up Bugs at the position that, that he's in. The question is, are they planning to add someone else? 
to me. That that to me is it. And and listen, if it's Malcolm Brown, like it's Malcolm Brown, like that dude's a former first round pick. He's done in this league. He's not a bad player. Um, and so I I think the fact that they brought him in for a visit is not great for for Bugs. But right now he's like they're they're kind of starting nose ish in a way. And so I don't know who else takes that spot. Yeah. Well, I I kind of feel like that's the I feel like that's the whole thing going on with Levi Onzorike right now. Like that's your sure. penetrating three tech. You don't have that right now. Like right. Th- yeah. that guy is actually, you, you, he could be Demetrius Taylor. You hope it's McNeil a little bit too, honestly, like <laughs> with the way things are going. I guess the last name I have, and again, I'm struggling to find one of the cornerbacks that stands out, but uh, Chase Lucas. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to do with Chase Lucas. I'd like to have him in. I thought he played very well today but I don't know how much that's going to really help against the full body against, you know, what they want to do with Parker. Uh, if Jacobs comes back or if he gets cut, um, I don't know how it works. I, I don't think Bobby price is really in consideration at this point. I could be not, Well, not at the Nick. I, I think Bobby price is in just because of special teams and he's yeah, healthy. That's true. Like, yeah, he's healthy. We, we, I mean, we talked about it in the last segment. Who is the outside corner depth? I don't know. But I, I like I guess you're going to win a spot like no one won a spot by playing good well defensively I don't think so you're going to have to have that guy play special teams Bobby Price does that the nickel situation is just so confusing to me that I I don't have a read on it all I feel like any one of those three could get cut if I'm being completely honest I feel like AJ Parker could get cut I know that that might shock people considering he won the starting job as an undrafted guy last year I think uh, I think uh, blah, 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 blah. Mike, Mike Hughes, Hughes could yeah. get cut even though he has you know you know, it costs the lines 1 million in dead money if they cut him, but um, he's a veteran guy. And so I, I like it. I hearken back to like last year when they had Nikel Roby Coleman, a guy who's like, Oh, he might not win the starting job over AJ Parker, but he's that veteran depth that the, the lines are going to want on the roster. And then boom, he gets cut and is his practice squad guy. So I feel like they could go similar route with, with him and be like, we're, we're going to cut you Mike Hughes, but you'll come back on the practice squad because we want chase Lucas on the 53 but at the same time like are you you got to play these games again like is chase lucas more likely to clear through waivers i think chase lucas probably has a pretty good chance of clearing waivers he's a seventh round pick wasn't very it wasn't a hot commodity out there and i don't think he put out spectacular preseason tape that people are going to suddenly change their mind about him but i don't know like i i I don't have a read on it at all ryan i I, do do you have any sort of inclination on, on what makes sense for this team no, because I think the Nikel Roby Coleman comparison is is pretty accurate. It, it's just the Lions roster is at a different point than it was last season. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're we're talking about Demetrius Taylor, um, and, and someone in chat who I'm I'm uh real quick, Silver Lion, two on two. You know, I think he brings up a good point. Like Demetrius Taylor might be the only undrafted guy who makes the roster. Yeah. Last season, that was Jerry Jacobs. That was AJ Parker. That was, I mean, they, they had like undrafted guys that were on the roster out of necessity, but also because they're building something, right? So yeah. do the Lions go the, the veteran route where we thought last year, oh, Nicole Roby Coleman, he'll be the veteran depth that they that they want to have some like a security blanket. Whereas last season it was no, we have a bunch of guys who we want to try to see on the field. Do they make sense for us moving forward? how much of the Lions are they ready to like compete now? Right? right. Like Mike Hughes is a, is a guy who stays on the roster who I, I think indicates, Hey, the lions are, they, they want some veteran guys there because they want somebody who can probably be dependable, not somebody who they're throwing out there and say, Hey, go ahead, sink or swim. The the most interesting scenario to me is AJ Parker. 
Like, if they cut him, does he clear waivers? Because he has decent, not not fantastic tape, but decent tape from last year. He was a starter, and he's, what, 23, 24 years old. Like, seems like maybe that may draw interest, but at the same time, we're talking about an undrafted guy who wasn't fantastic. Like, he wasn't great last year. He probably shouldn't be a starter. I don't think anyone's going to waste their, their waiver on that. Like that, those are, those are important and those kind of go through. So I think, I think we overvalue certain guys on waivers. Sometimes the last thing I really wanted to touch on is, uh, cause I know this seems to be a recurring theme. I'm curious how, as much as we make these cuts and we try to stash as many guys as we can on practice squad, it is important to remember practice squads limited to, to 16 guys. And those will fill up a lot faster than people think especially with some of the guys practice squad has to carry. So I'm curious, do you see a guy on this roster who you would like to put on practice squad, but you don't think will make it to the practice squad? It's to me, it's, is that, always, is that too, yeah. it, it, it's just hard to predict, right? I feel like we always overestimate the amount of people that will get claimed on waivers. I feel like we think like, oh, we over, there's no we way. Over, we overestimate that. And I think from what I've seen of fans, we all think that you can just stash so many of these guys, like like immediately the first thing I saw after hard knocks the other night was like, yeah, no, let's let's just stash Eze on, on practice squad. I'm like, is there even room for Eze on the practice squad? I don't know. I mean, there's 16 players now, so they're, they're big practice squads now. They continually grow. Um, we also underestimate it too. Remember when the Bears tried to poach Jake Rudock? Like... We were like, why? Okay, well, that was once he was already on the practice squad, though, right? Yeah, but I, I mean, yeah. I guess that's what I mean. Like, right. either guys making the practice squad or think that we'll be able to stick around because, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, like, so I think Dan Dan talked about it this week about players that he he wants to hold on but just aren't going to be ready for this roster. And, there, you know, you didn't mention anybody specifically but said there were a few people like that. And you know, in, in the media room, we were talking about guys that are like that. I think, I think James Houston is one of those guys where it's just like, he doesn't look anywhere close to ready. He's, he's not going to make this team, but he's got enough physical traits where it's just like, and you know, he obviously comes from a small school of, of Jackson state. And you're just like, maybe with a year seasoning, something, something can be there. Um, and I'm sure there, there are other guys like that, but he's the first one that, that pokes out in my mind is someone like, let's get him on the practice squad. I, I don't think there's, there's much think- chance he gets, Claim yeah, or th- anything like that. I think Houston's problem right now is like it's it's what we talked about. It feels like there's just there's no room for him as as an edge right now, and that seems to be what he's he's thriving as. Versus, they seem to want to. I, I know they gave up on the off ball linebacker, but yeah, you know, just there is it's just a miss. His talent seems to be misfit right now in Detroit. I think that's fair. Yeah. Do we want to talk kickers? Cybert's won the gig. One one awful bad another awful byproduct of having just a, a god awful offense in in this preseason game is we didn't not the, the like kick, oh the oh, kicker batter never came off the ground. I, I suppose <laughs> it, in, <laughs> the Steelers it, got plenty of chances to practice kicks. We didn't. Right. It's didn't Riley Patterson kick the onside kick though. No, at least not according to the box score that I'm reading. Patterson really? Patterson did not make it on the field once in this game, so that might be telling. I swore that it was somebody with a single digit who, I don't know, but then again, I can't read the Lions numbers anyway, so I'm getting old. Yeah, and unless, it's certainly possible that the box score got it down wrong, but um, it's probably pretty telling that, that they, they entrusted Seibert to do everything. Not that there were that many opportunities, but he did all the kickoffs. He did the one field goal. 
and the, there wasn't even extra points, right? Like they went for two the one time they scored a touchdown. So um, probably Cyrus job. Well, we'll find out here very soon. Cuts come on Tuesday. We'll be back Tuesday on Twitch with Hard Knocks recap for that episode. We won't talk yes. too much about the cuts because I think as Jeremy, we, we've been talking about this, Jeremy, like we need a couple days for them to even out transactions, waiver wires, practice squads, et cetera, et cetera. So when we do first bite this week, it will be reacting to the final 53-man roster and right. all that. Rather, rather than the initial. And we'll also get, you know, this is the week we typically get word. We get to talk to uh, Brad Holmes. So I, I think maybe after hearing what he says and, and letting the dust settle on the practice squad on all the other transactions that come after the 53, then we'll do our, our reaction podcast to, to the cutdowns. In the meantime, we'll have plenty of written content in terms of reactions and things like that. But if, if you're going to be eager for the pod, the, the cut pod, that's going to come later in the week. So that's right. Relax. R-E-L-A-X. Well, I actually did. I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. Just you're off podcast now. I'm sorry. You, you made no, we are. Rogers we are Rock reference. We got to get, we got to kick you out. Goodbye, everyone. We'll see you next time. We'll see you star side. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.